We're going to do a lot of reading tonight and a little bit of preaching. So most of what you hear will be absolutely right. All we read out of the Bible will be right on the money. I'm going to preach tonight on Mario t-shirts. And Oh, look at there. Amazing how those things happen. You just come to the altar now and I can preach on something else. <laughs> All right, let's, let's turn the Bibles to Acts chapter number 8. Book of Acts chapter number 8. Aren't you glad you got a Bible in your language? Amen. Ability to read understand, comprehend. I'm telling you, people all over this world would like to have what you have tonight. A place to go to church and fellowship with people, to know the Word of God and believe the Word of God. The Lord's blessed us. Amen. Richly, richly blessed us. Amen. Pastor and I, we did talk about a lot of things this afternoon. If you notice, the sun is shining more brightly. The grass is greener than it was. The sky is bluer. We, just about two more days, we'll have all the world's problems solved. We just... Put our, put our heads together, we'll take care of it. What I want to show you tonight, this, this may be not deep uh, truth, but that's okay. We'll stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. But there are, according to Scripture, three primary races uh, within the human family. Uh, the Bible would, would break that down even farther than the law and tell us that God has divided the nations or will in the end of time divide the nations according to 12 tribes of Israel. So it looks as though there are four divisions within each of those three races. But I want to show you tonight from the Bible how the, the black man or the African is saved. And I want to show you how the, what, what would be called, this is very politically incorrect, the yellow man or the oriental man is saved. And then I want to show you how the white man, and if you ever meet a white man, get his picture, because there aren't many of them, but how the, the white man or the Caucasian, how they're saved. I want to show you how, from the Bible, how the three different racial groups come to know the Lord as their Savior. So whether you're traveling the mission field or whether you're working here locally, you'll know what to do and know how to handle the situation. How's that? One of them's in Acts 8, one of them's in Acts 9, one of them's in Acts 10. They're all right here together, laid out for us nice and simple. So having said that to make you wonder where in the world we're going with this, we'll pray and see if we can get there. Amen. Father, thank you for the Bible. Help us tonight to believe it, receive it into our hearts, and most importantly of all, Lord, to then put it into practice when we leave here. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the Bible says in Acts 8, verse number 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, northeastern Africa, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, now watch, had come to Jerusalem for to worship. We don't know anything about this man's uh, religion per se, but here's what we know. When this man got, made up his mind, he was going to worship. He went to Jerusalem to do it. Now, Alexandria, Egypt, or, or Memphis in Egypt, would have been a lot closer. 
No doubt there were some tribal deities and no doubt there were some national religions much closer to home. But this man has traveled across deserts from one continent to another to go to Jerusalem. Not to play the slot machines, not to gamble, not to ride the roller coaster, not to go on a cruise. This man has traveled, taken a long, hard journey to go and worship God at Jerusalem. Now, you've got to admit, there aren't many people living today that would take a trip like that. Not, not in an air-conditioned automobile, not flying in a jet airplane. This man is riding in a chariot, wooden wheels, no shock absorbers, most likely standing up all the way. And he's riding from Ethiopia across Egypt and through the desert wilderness and up to Jerusalem for the purpose of worshiping God. And now the Bible says, in verse number 28, was returning... And sitting in his chariot, read Esaias the prophet. You know what this man's doing? He is, he is riding down the road in a chariot. Come on, now think of it. It's not a paved road. It's a, it's a chariot. Got it? And, and he's bouncing over rocks and up and down through ridges and the horses are pulling this way and that way. And that man is laboring to read the Bible as he stands in that chariot traveling down the road. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There aren't many people that, that are go up, going up and down this interstate highway out here listening to somebody preaching the Word of God. There aren't many people riding in the passenger seat or the back seat going up and down these highways reading the Bible. This man has traveled a great distance to worship the right God in the right city. And on the way home, he's reading the right book. Not only is he reading the right book, out of all the places that man could have been reading in what he would have, ha would have, would have been available to him in that day, which would be the Old Testament, that's all, all there would be at this time, he is reading from Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He, speaking of Jesus, was led, we know that, this man didn't know that, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who should declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Now, now, think about this with me. If you're saved and you've been in a Bible teaching church for any length of time, you know that Isaiah 53 is the, is the most full and complete explanation of the cross work of Jesus Christ to be found in all the Old Testament. And you know that it has to do with the cross work of Jesus Christ because, well, you have Acts chapter number 8. Right in front of you. And, and you know from Acts 8, and then you can go to John 1 about the Lamb of God, and, and you can put all of these scriptures together and understand from the Word of God that Jesus Christ is the Savior of sinners. This man knows none of that. Look, he's, he's been worshiping the right God in the right city with a desire in his heart to know the Lord so greatly that returning home from worshiping God, he's reading and searching the scriptures. And if there was any place you could find the Lord in the Old Testament, it would be Isaiah 53. And this man doesn't have a clue. That's right. 
Now, now listen. He, he believes in God. He worships God. He sacrifices greatly in order to worship God. He reads the Bible and he reads the right place in the Bible and he's lost and on his way to hell. Come on, let that sink in. He's not going to hell because he's an Ethiopian. He's not going to hell because he's a criminal or a bad man. He's not going to hell because he's a murderer or a rapist or an adulterer. He's going to hell because Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by him. And this man doesn't know Jesus. So never mind that he is an African. He is a religious man who is lost. He is a God-worshipping man who is lost. He is a Bible-reading and Bible-studying man who is lost. How is this man ever going to get saved? Look in your Bible. We read it. Look at it again. Verse 26. The Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go. Verse 27. And he arose and went. Now that's how it starts. If this man is going to get saved, listen, God could have made the sky red and the ocean green. God could have made the the grass purple and a banana orange. And then you'd call an orange an orange and nobody would know why, because the banana would be orange. God could have, but, but he didn't. God could have, he could have written in the stars for this Ethiopian man to see as he rode through the nighttime, he could have written in the stars the way of salvation. He didn't do that. He could have placed on the walls of the temple. Didn't he write once upon a time on a wall with his finger? When that man went in the temple to worship, God could have written on the wall, Hey, Mr. Eunuch, and explain the way of salvation. He didn't do that. God could have made the truth come off the page and pour into this man's understanding. But the Lord said, the Lord said, tarry at Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. And when you receive the Holy Ghost, ye shall be my witnesses. Beginning at Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then to the most part of the earth. God could have, God could have come up with any way of salvation he wanted to. And this is the one he wanted to come up with. He told a man who knew Jesus to arise and go to a man who didn't know Jesus. Anybody see that? Arise and go, and he arose and went. Now, now watch this. The Bible says in verse number 35, Philip's in the chariot, and, and verse 34, The eunuch answered Philip, said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophetess of himself or some other man? Then Philip smiled and showed the man how happy he was. No. Then Philip bought a house next door to the man and showed him his lifestyle. That's not it. Then Philip had a bunch of kids and had them dress right and act right and be polite so the man would see what a difference the Lord had made in their lives. Now, none of that stuff's bad. All that stuff's good. Except to having a bunch of kids if you can't afford them. That, if you can afford them, have 20. But, but, but look what the Bible says. Then Philip opened his mouth. The Lord didn't say go ride with him. The Lord didn't say go hang out with him. The Lord didn't say go smile at him. The Lord said go and witness to him. And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. 
Now, in our minds, because it's what we've been told and we didn't, we didn't question it, we didn't think about it. In our minds, what I'm doing right now is preaching because it has volume. I don't think Philip got in the chariot and the, and the man said, Hey, what's this about? What am I reading? Well, let me tell you what I'm reading. <laughs> Point number one. Preaching is not volume. In your Bible, preaching is when a saved man presents the gospel to an unsaved man. So every one of you who knows the Lord has been called to preach. Now when Philip got the call, he responded to the call. And so he opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him standards. And preached unto him convictions. And preached unto him Mario. No, he, you still got it on. I, I can't leave it alone. Well, don't take it off. <laughs> That'd be a whole other sermon right there. And preached unto him Jesus. You know what the Bible says? It pleased God by the foolishness of lifestyle to save them that believe. How many of you read that in the Bible? Didn't think so. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. preaching to save them that believe. So Philip takes the scripture this man's reading about the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ and preaches to him from the scripture and explains to him the Lord Jesus Christ. His sacrificial death, his substitutionary payment for our sin, his rising from the dead, and as he reads as this, this eunuch understands the scripture because someone who knows the Lord is explaining the scripture to him. Verse 36 says, as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Verse 38, and he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Anybody got a problem with what I just read? Oh, I'm sorry, I was using the NIV. Verse 37 is not in the NIV. He goes straight from being unsaved to being baptized with no salvation in between. That will work in some denominations, but it won't work in biblical Christianity. Now look at verse 37. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then, and then, after that man professed his faith in the gospel, then they went down, both of them into the water. Philip grabbed a handful and put it on his forehead. Come on, why did they both go down into the water if all you needed was a few drops? He's not poor and he's... he's, he's He's burying him in baptism. And he's being raised up. Testimony. Public uh, picture there. Anyway, here's what I want you to see. This, This black man from Africa, how is he saved? Someone was told by the Lord to arise and go. That man arose and went. 
He intersected. His life intersected with the life of this man that was searching for the Lord. He opened his mouth. He preached unto him Jesus. The lost man heard the gospel, believed it, and was saved. And that, my friends, is how the race that that resides primarily in the Ethiopian regions of the world, that's how they get saved. Someone who knows the Lord tells them how to get saved, and they believe it, and they're saved. So now, if you ever see someone that has darker skin than yours, or if you ever feel a burden or a call to go to a country filled with people with a darker skin than yours, now here's what you know. You don't need cultural training. You don't need National Geographic videos. You don't need to look into the tribal beliefs and practices. You just need to go preach Jesus. Because that's how people get saved who come from those parts of the world. How about that? Well, let's see, let's see how those Caucasian people, those white people, let's see how they get saved. Come to Acts chapter number 10. Acts chapter 10 and verse number 1. The Bible says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Some commentators think he was a bass player. Some think he was a drummer. We're not sure. But, <laughs> but he's... Italian band is likely a polka group or something. But. <laughs> Verse 2, he's a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave alms to the people and prayed to God always. Now let me ask you something. Don't, don't you know people, save people, who don't give alms to God? Don't you know people who profess to know the Lord who don't fear Him? And don't you know people who don't, who don't um, order and, and direct their house so that everyone in their household lives in the fear of God? That's a pretty good man. I'm telling you, that, that Ethiopian man, chapter 8, he's a better man than most people. He's a better man than most church people. This man, this Caucasian man from Italy, he's a better man than most people. He fears God. He gives money to the work of God. He's got his whole family. And then and, and verse 2 says, and prayed to God always. I'm not trying to be mean, trying to be critical. I bet you there's some people in this room tonight haven't prayed all day today. Here's a man that doesn't know the Lord, and he's he praying all day long. Praise to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently, about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. So, as he's praying... This angel shows up right in the middle of his house. Now, you'd think from the modern religious bookstore, that'd be better than the Lord himself coming. Man, we got angel posters and, and books about angels and angel air fresheners and angel statues. I mean, it's here an angel, there an angel, everywhere an angel, angel. And you, you'd think the greatest thing in this world would be to see an angel. And yet this angel shows up. Cornelius has been praying. He's been praying to God. And the angel shows up and says, you know what? God has observed you. God has taken note of you. God has heard your prayer. And, and Cornelius is like, okay, Mr. Angel, what do I do now? And the angel says, beats me. Well, no, what do you, you're an angel sent down from heaven, right? Oh, yeah. Well, well, what do I do? I want to know God. What do I do? He said, I don't know. Well, aren't you saved? No, I've never been saved. Haven't you been born again? <laughs> no, not me. 
Nobody in my family has ever been saved or born again. He said, well, what do I do? And the angel said, you know, I desire to look into those things myself. But they don't pertain to me. You're going to have to go get a man named Peter. Now, now think about this. Here's an unsaved man. And an angel is of no use to him in coming to know the Lord. Here's an unsaved man and a visit from a heavenly minister does him no good. He has to go send for a guy that's prone to backsliding, prone to cussing, prone to doubting the Lord, prone to arguing with Jesus, but at least he's saved. Come on now. The Lord isn't sending... I started to say he's not sending one of the best he's got. He is sending for one of the best he's got. He just don't have any good ones. Everybody he's got was a sinner who got saved and is now a sinner trying to live like they're saved. That's all, that's all he's got to work with. That angel said, go get Peter. You understand how significant that is? Couldn't God have just, the moment Christ rose from the dead, sent an angel to every community on earth to proclaim the gospel? Couldn't he have sent one to Nauvoo, Illinois? Yes. <laughs> he didn't. When an angel came to Cornelius, he said, I can't help you. You've got to go get Peter. And so the Bible says, Now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth one Simon a tanner whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. How about that? Now here's what I want to know. If the Lord looked down on your town tonight and saw in your town a man who feared God, gave money to his church, and prayed all day but wasn't saved, could the Lord send an angel to that man's house and say, go get and put your name in there? And could God confidently tell that man, he will come and tell you what you ought to do? She will come and tell you what you ought to do. Come on, you say what you want about Peter. Before the Lord consulted him, he told the angel to tell Cornelius, Peter will be here. And he'll tell you what you need to know. How about that? Am I, am I, can God count on me? Can God depend upon me? If there's somebody in this town seeking the Lord tonight and doesn't know how to find him, will I get there before the JWs? Or will I have a Sunday school class learning what's wrong with JWs and never try to outrun them? Come on, it does no good to, to, to learn four ways to refute two bicycle elders that aren't shaving yet. That's weird, isn't it? Look, elder. Look, elder John, I got my first whisker. Why, I was hoping I'd get made first, elder Dave. <laughs> anyway, so, what's that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so they don't have the truth and we can prove they don't have the truth, but they've been out on their bikes all day long getting to people we're not getting to. Mm-hmm. Okay, so anyway, he says, go get, go get Peter. Now, come to verse number 19. Peter has this vision, and Lord, you know, he lets down this upside-down parachute, and it's full of hot dogs and bratwurst and bacon, and Peter said, I can't eat that because it's unclean. I'm under the law. And he's living with a tanner. Which just proves, just because you have convictions, doesn't mean you have all of them. 
Verse, verse 19. While, while Peter thought on the vision, and that, that's that sheep with the, with the animals in it. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Now watch, here it comes the second time. Arise, therefore, get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. You know what the Lord told Philip? Arise and go. There's a black man who needs the gospel. You know what the Lord told Peter? Arise and go. There's a white man who needs the gospel. Look at, look at the next verse, verse 20, 21. Then Peter went. Starting to see a pattern here? The Lord said to Philip, Arise and go, and he arose and went. The Lord said to Peter, Arise and go, and he arose and went. How are you doing? How am I doing? Lord told every one of us, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We can say what we want about how lost the world is and how bad the world is and how nobody's getting saved. Maybe nobody's going. Maybe we're just assuming nobody's going to get saved. Maybe we're just assuming nobody out there wants to know the Lord. Maybe they do and somebody's going to get to them first. All right, the Bible says, And Peter went down with him, uh, down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God and of, a, and of good report among all the nation of the Jews. Now, stop for a minute. I'm telling you, these are both good men. That Ethiopian eunuch, the Bible said he's a good man. He's just not saved. Listen, how many people do you know that would brag on their boss when they're not at work. Come on. These are servants of Cornelius. And Cornelius is, is hundreds of miles away. And they're over. Cornelius, there's no tape recorders. Nobody's going to know what they said. And they say to a total stranger about their boss man, you know, he's a just man. He fears God. He's a good guy. Now, you know what? If those under your authority talk about what a good guy you are when you're not around, you're a good guy. <laughs> you're a really good guy. And so that, that's their testimony. He says that um, he was warned of God by an holy angel to send for thee into this house and to hear words of thee. See, see what the angel said? Don't go show him. Go tell him. Don't go let your little light shine. Go and speak. He said, the angel told my boss, you're going to come and speak some words to him. Now, this, come on, this is significant. He's praying, but it won't save him. He's giving money, but it won't save him. He's a just man, but it won't save him. He's helping Israel, but it won't save him. He's going to have to hear some words from a Christian before he can be saved. Amen. Everybody see that? All right. Peter went away with them. And certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the morrow after, they entered into Caesarea. And Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Well, what would you expect an Italian to do when the Pope walks in? <laughs> of course he fell down at his feet and worshipped him <laughs> that's the first one man <laughs> but 
If Peter was the first pope, the others should follow his example. But Peter took him up saying, stand up, I myself also am a man. So there it is. If, if he was what they say he is, then let, let, it, uh, let his followers do what he did. All right, verse 34. So we go in the house, the big crowd there. Peter tells them, hey, I got the message. I came as quick as I could. Now look at verse 34. Here it is again. Then Peter opened his mouth. How about that? How many of you, I'm just asking, and, and if the crowd raises their hand, you can raise it with them so you don't stand out if you have to. But how many of you believe the Holy Spirit of God, these are His words in the Bible. I mean, this, is, this is the Word of God. Holy Spirit. Is, you know what? He, twice, twice He said, I sent somebody to go to a lost man who needed to be saved and both times what they did to facilitate the saving of that man's soul, they opened their mouth. Now, should we live it? Absolutely. Should our life match our testimony? 100%. Should we never do anything that, that is contrary to Christianity? No, we shouldn't. But that's not going to win anybody to the Lord. It's not going to result in anybody being saved. If you're the best neighbor anybody ever had for 20 years and you never give them the gospel, they're not going to heaven because you were nice. Amen. Peter got to that house and he opened his mouth and said, Of oh, a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. <laughs> Took him a while to get that lesson. But in every nation, he that feareth him and the worth of righteousness is accepted with him the word which God sent of the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all, not just Jews, but Italians. Not just Orientals, but, but white folk as well. That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him. God raised up openly, uh, raised up third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. Now, you know what he just preached? The death, the burial, and the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody see that? You want Philip preached to the eunuch? The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Same thing. Now, look at verse 41, or 42. And he commanded us to shine unto, unto the people. And he commanded us to smile unto the people. He I wish I could. I've tried. Now, I'm not a Joel Osteen fan. Okay, one other person is not a Joel Osteen fan. I wish I could smile more when I'm pre I am happy. And then you get out there preaching on the street and every picture in the newspaper, you're, <laughs> you look like you're about to bite somebody's face. Well, how do you, how do you project and, but I can't do it. Some people can do it. I've been on the road for a while, a couple of years ago, and I, and I was committing one of the great sins. My, I hadn't had a haircut in a while and my hair was down on my shirt collar and this fella came by and he just kind of flicked the, back of my hair and he said start look like Joel Osteen <laughs> so I had some time the next day I went out and got my hair cut 
And I went in the next night and I looked for him. I said, you happy? Now I look like Joyce Meyer. (laughs) That offended somebody, I'm sure. All right, verse 42. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it was he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Verse 47. Uh, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. You know what happened? That black man heard the gospel and believed it and he was saved. And then Philip baptized him. This white man heard the gospel, he believed it and he was saved. And then Peter baptized him. You see a pattern developing here? You know how they get saved in North America? The same way they get saved in Africa. You know how they get saved in Europe? The same way they get saved in, in, in India and the islands of the sea. It doesn't matter if your skin is dark or if your skin is fair. If you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you can and will be saved. But how shall they believe in him, on Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how, and how shall they preach except one, except one be sent? Well... Who's going to be sent? The volunteers are sent. Here am I, Lord, send me. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. You don't need to wait for a call. You've been given a command. And the black man got saved because somebody arose and went and opened his mouth. And the white man got saved because somebody arose and went and opened his mouth. And I want you to know if you're here tonight and you're not saved, but you're a good person, both of these men were good people. As far as Peter, I know there's none good, no, not Look, compared to God, there's nobody any good. Compared to the rest of us, there's some pretty good people in this world. And these people are God. They believe in God. They worship God. They read the Bible. They give money to the Lord. They are just and upright in their dealings. They help the nation of Israel. And both of them were going to hell. That's right. Till somebody came and explained to them how to be saved. Amen. How about that? Well, let's go to Acts chapter number 9 because we skipped that Oriental fellow. He's a man from Shem. He's a Jewish man. And you're going you're, you're to disagree with me. You're going to say this is the one bad man of the bunch. He's the best man of the bunch. That's right. Acts 9, verse number 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord... Went to the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. I wonder what that was like. Well, every few minutes, some of you here get to find out as the sun moves through the windows. and Light from heaven. And he fell to the earth. And heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said, Now, now watch this. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. 
know what people say? Well, if the Lord would just speak to me. The Lord spoke to Saul. Well, if I could just hear a voice from heaven. He heard a voice from heaven. If I could just see a miracle. If God would show me that he's real. God showed Saul he was real. And after he heard a voice from heaven. After he experienced a miracle. All of this that happened. The Lord spoke to Saul and said, you just go sit tight. The information's coming. Jesus didn't tell him how to be saved. He said, I'm going to send somebody to deal with you. How about that? Anybody see that? You know what the Lord said? He said, I'm going to die. I'm going to rise from the dead. I'm going to send to the right hand of the Father. And then I'm going to, I'm gone. And I'm going to send the Holy Ghost into the world. Now what he said? And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He shall testify of me. He shall show you all things concerning myself. Hey, Jesus is a great high priest now. He's not the evangelist. The Holy Spirit's the evangelist. Look, we're not separating the Trinity and putting one, but, but I'm telling you, the Father's in heaven, the Son's at His right hand, and the Holy Ghost is God on earth right now, and He's not in the chariot, and He's not in Cornelius' house, and He's not on the road to Damascus, He's in saved people. So Jesus speaking from heaven says to Saul, flat on the ground, you go sit in the house until somebody gets there, He'll tell you what to do. How about that? Amen. Now look, if, if Jesus wanted to, he could, just, he could just knock everybody in town flat on their back right now and tell them straight from heaven how to get saved. Yeah, and he could have made a rib out of Adam's foot so he could walk on her. But he took her out of his side so she could stand beside him and be a helpmeet. Why do you do it that way? He's God. He does what he wants. And what he chose to do is to save sinners through the ministry and witness of saved sinners who tell them how they got saved. So God chose to do it. Take a look. The Bible says here in verse number uh, 7, And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth. And, his, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, neither did he eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Who can guess? Arise and go. Hey, you know what that man from Shem needs? The same thing the man from Ham needed and the same thing the man from Japheth needed. Somebody to arise and go under the direction of the Lord of heaven. Arise and go into the street called Straight and inquire in the house of one Judas, for, house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Okay, now, come, I'm asking myself, I'm asking you. If there's somebody laying in a hospital bed right now, they're down there in Dayton, they're laying in the hospital bed, and they're praying, God, I want to be saved, I need to be saved. Oh, God, don't let me die like this. I'm not ready to meet you. 
Could the Lord tell that man lay in that hospital bed, could he call your name and say, he's coming to see you. He'll be here tonight. She's coming to talk to you. She'll be here first thing in the morning. Listen, before the Lord consulted Ananias, he told Saul, a man named Ananias is going to come tell you what to do. That's powerful. The Lord knew. You said, all oh, these people got saved in the book of Acts. I wish it was like that today. You know, you know what's different about the book of Acts from today? It's not that lost people are lost. It's not that lost people are sinners. It's not that religious people don't know Jesus. It's that in this day when the Lord told somebody to go, they went. In our day when the Lord tells somebody to go, we say, well, I, I don't have the gift. I don't know what to answer. Uh, I don't think it does any good. I tried that a couple of times and I got embarrassed. And the difference is they went. Amen. Come on now. Stay, I'm, we're just teaching the Bible tonight. That's what it says. And the Lord said to him, rise and go. And, and he seen, so verse 13, then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man. How much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went. See that? And Annas went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest to sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately thou fell from his eyes as it had been scales. He received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Three cases. You have a religious man zealously pursuing God but lost and on the way to hell. In one case, he's reading the scripture and can't find out how to be saved. In another case, an angel visits his home and can't tell him how to be saved. In another case, the Lord speaks to him from heaven and doesn't tell him how to be saved. In all three cases, the Lord sends a saved man to go to the lost man and instruct him in the way of life. In all three cases, the black man believes, is saved, and is baptized. The white man believes, is saved, and is baptized. The oriental man believes, is saved, and is baptized. It looks to me like everybody gets saved the same way. It looks to me like we don't need a cultural gospel or an ethnic gospel or a tribal gospel. We've got a good enough gospel. We just need more diligent and more faithful messengers to carry that gospel. The Bible says in verse 19, And when he received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. How about that? So, tonight... The question the Lord would ask me and the question the Lord would have me to ask you is when the Lord tells us to arise and go, can the sequel say, and he went, and she went. 
I'm, I'm say this, I, I try to be polite. It just never sounds polite because we just trim away all the fluff and just say what needs to be said. And it's not mean-spirited, it's just... Does it matter that you're not a Calvinist if you practice Calvinism? Well, I don't believe in that Calvinism stuff. I believe it. Well, okay, but if we believe that everyone can be saved, why do we sit and wait for God to gather in the elect without us lifting a finger? Go ye into all the world And preach the gospel to every creature. And in the book of Acts we see that when Christians responded to that directive, souls were saved. Now you can argue about the times and you can argue about people's hard hearts and you can argue about the influence of television and everything else. Are we going to say that the world is such that now Scriptural principles no longer work. Come on, if the Bible's the Word of God and heaven and earth shall pass away, but God's Word shall not pass away, there is still a Cornelius out there somewhere waiting for a Christian to come to his door. There is still an Ethiopian out there somewhere reading the Bible tonight and getting more confused by the minute and wishing somebody would get him in a Bible study. There is still an angry zealot persecuting all other faiths tonight who's really just angry because he's under conviction. Who is waiting for the Christian to step in at the right moment after God has laid him low and tell him how to be saved. I believe that. I really do believe that. I don't think the days of people getting saved are over. I don't think the, the power of the Holy Ghost is limited by the wickedness of modern America. I believe it's possible today for souls to be saved if we'll arise and go. I'm going to tell you one, one story and it'll be finished. In our little town, we've got two state high, or U.S. highways that intersect. There's you, uh, State Road 44 and U.S. Highway 17 and U.S. Highway 92, they run through our town and they meet at a place where there's a traffic light. And there are a few little stores here and a few little stores here and they come and go because there's nobody there to buy anything. But, but that's downtown DeLand. And we stand out there with scripture signs and we give out gospel tracts and we, we try our best to tell people about Jesus. Been doing that since 1985, almost every Friday afternoon, downtown DeLand. For many, many years down there was an elderly woman who sat in a lawn chair with a table. And on her table was Jehovah's Witness literature. And she would try and interest the passers-by in in living in the kingdom. And we would try and interest the passers-by in being born again and saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and when things would get slow, I'd go over and I'd kneel down beside the chair. And I'd try to witness to her and she'd try to witness to me. And I would show her from the Bible about hell. And she would laugh and say, no, look here, it's just Gehenna. And we'd go back and forth about the deity of Christ. She was a nice lady. And here's what she'd do. When we finished having those conversations, she'd reach up and pat me on the cheek. She was, she was in her 90s. She had been in home Bible studies with Judge Rutherford in Brooklyn, New York. 
That's how she went all the way back to, she would, she would reach up, pat me on the cheek. She'd say, young man, when I was just a baby girl, my father read the Bible and didn't understand it. My father had questions about the scriptures he couldn't answer. And the Watchtower Society came to our home and answered my father's questions. And she'd pat me on the cheek and she'd say, if you wanted me, you should have got there first. That's what she'd say. If you wanted me, you should have got there first. Church, we know the cults are wrong, but they were out there today. We know the cults aren't preaching the truth, but they're filling airplanes full of missionaries in Salt Lake City and sending them all over this world. We've got the truth, but nobody's going to get saved if we keep it bottled up in this building and don't obey the Lord's commission and go into all the world and preach that gospel to every creature. We don't want people in hell because somebody else got to them first. Everybody see? We're all good? Arise and go, he arose and went. Black man got saved. Arise and go, he arose and went. White man got saved. Arise and go, he arose and went. There's that Shemite got saved. How's it work? Just like that. From that day to this. I ask you tonight, will you arise and go? Our Father in heaven, Thank you for a plan of salvation so simple, a way of salvation so easy. And yet, Lord, as we see from the Bible tonight, it's, it's not easy to the religious man. It's not easy to the good man. It's not easy to the zealous man. Everyone requires an explanation from a Christian. God, would you help us tonight to respond to the clear truth we've seen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.